A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindergaard making Morris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to the Glovers cast off the back of our first victory in the National League season under Chris Hargreaves here to talk about the 1-0 win, a dogged, determined win against Dagenham and Redbridge. Here's Mr. David Coates. Good morning. And Mr. Ben Barrett. Howdy. How are we doing? Um, Can we start by congratulating you, Ian? on uh, returning and bringing three points. Uh, I can only assume the two things are connected. <laughs> I would, Yeah, I would presume so too. I didn't want to say as such, but I will take credit where it's due. Yeah, or, or where it's not due, that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny, actually, because when I got in, I was like, you over one? And Katie was like, oh, well done. I was like, well, it was entirely down to me, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, no, it was, uh, yeah, a good... Three points. How are we feeling after sleeping on three points for the first time this season? Nice, isn't it? It's comfy. Comfy it's nice. sleep. Well, no such thing as a comfy sleep with two small children, but it's comfier than usual. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Nice. That, the, the heady heights of 16th in the table. Fucking up. The only way is up. The climb is on. Yeah. Can I just say the enthusiasm of Ben after we lost to Barney is greater than the enthusiasm after we won against Dagenham. What's this about? Is it because it's, it's early on a Sunday morning and the coffee yeah. hasn't quite kicked in yet? Could be that, I, I suppose. I'll give, you, I'll, I'll, it, I'll give you that. Is it because you didn't witness it, Ben? Or possibly because I didn't witness it. I, I absorbed it through my ears. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much that was all I could offer. Um, yeah, it sounded like... Sound like a different performance. It sounded like it's just a performance of getting a job done. We'd had the play nicey nicey stuff. We'd had the we deserve this, we deserve that stuff. And 
this just felt like okay just go out and be horrible and get the job done and take a one nil win and move on and get on with our lives would you agree with that summation ian perkins yeah i think there was definitely an element of us not trying to frustrate dagenham but making sure that we were solid when it counted i think before we've seen us try and press quite high and win the ball back off of defences, you know, up in their half. But we sort of let Dagenham move the ball around at the back. The first half, the theme of the first half was it was just the defences passing to each other, really. Um, we struggled to leak our defence and attack. It felt like every time we got the ball where we were looking to play a pass, it was always that long diagonal ball was on. There was no one really coming to collect it from Alfie Pond or Josh Staunton or Ben Richards-Everton. It was all sort of long ball with a big gap. You had your three at the back. Lawson Diath and Matt Worthington were kind of so close to the defence. And then you had a front five, basically, and it was trying to find Morgan Williams on the right or it was trying to find Jamie Record on the left. And it kind of... that There was grumbles in... Where we were, there was grumbles because we weren't really getting it forward. Every time it looked like there was a forward pass on, it was coming back in. So I think there was an element of patience in our play that we haven't probably shown before. I think we were quite, it seemed like when I've watched us specifically against Wrexham, it was all very quick, getting the ball forward and moving it quickly. So it was a different tactical approach. And then in the second half, it just it had to be backs to the wall. It was, you know, get these three points, keep a clean sheet and defend with our lives and you know fortunately it it paid off I think I would have preferred us not to have defended so deep at times but you know can't can't complain when it works and you get the three points did this mean that uh Hargreaves ball and getting W's in the uh in the columns aren't compatible I don't think so I don't think so yet it's hard to say really um, I think we could feel hard done by to not have got three points against Wrexham. I think we we certainly showed them that you know we were no pushovers, and I think the same for the Barnet game. It sounds like we should have been home and dry before um, half time. But I think there was a you know he, he took out Max Hunt. He was forced to play Morgan Williams at right wing back with Charlie Wakefield absent um which i think i think goes to show that he really wanted to play alfie pond because i think a straight swap there would have been jory johnson for um charlie wakefield but he decided to go in with alfie pond and he said on thursday that alfie pond was you know in his thinking for the game and he was phenomenal for for an 18 year old um to come in and go (laughs) up against paul mccallum i think the first you know, in the first minute, he goes up for a header with Paul McCallum and wins it. And that was kind of the theme of the day, really. McCallum, we managed to keep him quiet. I think their main threat came through Josh Walker, who in the first half, as soon as he picked the ball up and ran at players, he looked like a constant danger. But then in the second half, it was a similar, similarly in the Wrexham game, Josh Staunton kind of took it upon himself every time Paul Mullin was picking up the ball. He was right up him to stop him doing anything. And kind of took it on himself again to do the same with Josh Walker. So sort of from the first minute of the second half, Josh Walker picks the ball up and Josh Staunton just does not let him turn. It just straight on top of him. And he didn't do the same in the second half as he did in the first. So that was um, 
that was helpful. But yeah, Dagenham were, were good in the second half, had a lot of possession and it was that, it felt like a training exercise really. I think when you consider how we conceded against Ultringham last weekend to then go and play like that for pretty much the whole of the second half and deal with crosses, deal with corners, deal with lots of movement. I think we spoke about Miles Weston last season, didn't we, being Dagenham's most impressive player. And I think he probably gave Jamie Record the hardest task Jamie Record's had so far this season. I know he scored his goal, but defensively he was really under pressure from Weston coming in and cutting in on that left foot. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I, could, I can see Ben wants to say something. Just uh, to, to talk about the goal, we criticised quite rightly, I think, Alex Fisher for his performances. Certainly, I was quite critical of his performance against Altrincham. But that uh, move for the goal, that uh, beat the offside trap, get a great ball in, was fantastic, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And it, that was kind of the theme. He was looking in that pocket of space quite a few times there was a couple of moments before then when Alfie Pond tried to do the same and put him in and it didn't quite come off um but yeah Fisher was looking in that gap between their left center back and their left wing back quite a lot and then yeah it came off that move um sort of came out of nowhere a little bit it felt like it was a, a lull in possession and we was keeping the ball but Fisher makes this run and the offside the the, the Dagenham line's quite high at that point and Jamie Record said after, he, he, I don't think he said it in the recording, but he said he saw Alex Fish and thought, I can score another goal here and, and, and just went for it. And um, yeah, got that, got that touch on it and put it in. But it was a really, it was a well-worked goal, kind of out of nowhere. It's a nice team move. When you think about it, it started sort of kind of around the right back centre midfield area to the striker and then the left wing back gets on it on the other end. And it's just, I think it's kind of a good example of how sort of fluid the system is and how in tune all these players are with each other a little bit, despite there being changes yesterday. I mean, there was quite a few changes and different same personnel, but in different positions. And I think we took a little bit of adjusting to that, but in that moment, it, it worked really well. Lots of chat about how uh, Josh Staunton was brilliant in defence. Alfie Pond puts in this incredible debut performance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we look at that clean sheet as being really, really important. But from what I could listen to you and Sheridan, Ian, Grant Smith didn't actually have much to do. I think that says quite a lot about the defensive performance. Yeah, it was a lot like last season, really. You know how we'd go games where it felt like we were defending with our lives, but Grant Smith never had a, a save to make. There was... He had a few crosses to claim and he did make a, um, yeah, there was a couple of good corners that he came out and sort of commanded and, you know, fell on the ball for a couple of seconds and let time tick away. But yeah, it was one of those where he hasn't had a lot to do, but he's had to concentrate a lot. And I think there was, there was a spell where it was felt like it was about 20 corners in a row that they had to really, you know, and then Dagenham were changing it each time. One minute they were on the edge of the box running in, the next minute they were all in the six-yard box piling on. So there was, yeah, lots of different set-piece situations that can be quite stressful for a goalkeeper, I would imagine. Especially when you've got big players around you, like Paul McCallum. There was, it felt like towards the end, the tactic was get out wide, get Paul McCallum on the back post and try and get him on one of those back post headers, you know, like a Ricky Lambert 
type of header on the back stick where he's above the fullback. And we defended well. We managed to stop those situations or we managed to stop him scoring. There was one where we hit, they hit the post towards the end, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, there was a, there was a couple of lucky moments, but that's what you need to get a win in the end, isn't it? I said, we've, uh, we've had a few unlucky moments this season, haven't we? But uh, it did sound like in that second half that there was a, a bit of somebody smiling down upon us. Were, were, were we lucky or as Ben said there, without Grant Smith really having a great deal to do, do we put it down to that? Uh, it the manager asked for clean sheet mentality, didn't he, before the game and mentioned it after the game as well? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it was a lucky win. I just think there were, you know, there were, mo- you know, that ball that hits the post could have gone on the other side of the post or there was one where they rebounded out and it hit Alfie Pond in the head and it was more luck that Alfie Pond was there and it hit him in the head than anything else. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, when you, our goal wasn't a lucky goal, it was a well-worked goal and we could have had a second just after, I think uh, there was a brilliant chance for Matt Worthington to pass the ball to Jimmy Torre. He was in acres in the six yard box while there was Dagenham defenders back on the goal line and Worthy um, obviously felt that was his moment to get a goal and didn't quite come off. Um, so we could have had two. I think Chris Hargreaves after that, he he was not happy that the ball wasn't passed um, at that moment. But I can see why Worthy shot because there was Linton had had a go at the keeper and then it came back out and someone had a shot straight away and then it was all a little bit, let's fire in shots quickly as possible because the keeper's not in position. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it was a lucky win. We just had we just had our moments of luck which helped us on the way. Maybe it does even itself out over the course of a season after all, then. <laughs> maybe. It's, it's open, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, because maybe we're due a couple more if that's the case. Um, you, you talked about trying to get the second goal. Apart from that sort of immediate second chance, what other opportunities, if any, were there for us to try and double that lead as the game as the game went on? What kind of attacking threat did we pose? Not much. <laughs> I can't remember a great deal after that. In that second half... <clears throat> We had a couple of opportunities to get crosses in, but it was it was all Dagenham pretty much. There was no real major openings. I think Jimmy Torre tired in the second half. He wasn't the same threat as he was in the first half. It felt like he got on the ball a lot. I do wonder if he's paid by the touch, Jimmy Torre. Likes to have a lot of touches of the ball. Um, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think he tired... And then also with Lawson Diaf at half time. So he went up for a header with a Dagenham player and landed a bit uncomfortably and he held his left knee. And then at half time he came out and had a strapping on his on his knee. Um didn't look himself, so he 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 didn't stay on for very long. And that kind of disrupted that control of possession a little bit it wasn't like we would we were, we were hardly dominant at all in the first half but he's the type of player who just helps you keep the ball a little bit more than you know Sam Perry does when he comes on and I think the changes Dagenham had to make with their centre-back going off and bringing on Valletti they kind of really upped the tempo and they had a lot quicker attacking players that really put the pressure on I mean, that's the other thing to say about Dagenham. 
they're a good side, aren't they? They've got some very good players and you would expect them by the end of the season. I know, as Joel told us um, on the last podcast, some of their fans are a bit unhappy with the style of their performances. Um, they, they they are likely to be um, there or thereabouts come the, come the playoffs. So to get a win against them, albeit at home, is, um, is, is quite impressive. I mean, you've mentioned the defence, well, you and the manager mentioned so Alfie Pond amazingly assured for an 18 year old Josh Daunton captain's performance I've seen that all over um, social media the manager mentioned it afterwards you and Sheridan were both um, giving um, bigging up uh, Morgan Williams Uh, Jamie Record obviously got his goal what about Ben Richards Everton that was the first time we've seen him since come back from injury and that first game against Gunthorpe, where probably unfair to judge anybody on that performance, but how, how did he look, Ben Richards Evan? Um, I thought he looked really strong considering it was his first game back. I mean, he's a big dude and yes. not the quickest player either because of his size. The and quickest he, dude. Yeah. He was um, you know, going up against Josh Walker, who is a very quick dude. So he did have his he did have his work cut out. It was quite a bit of a baptism of fire for him to come back in, but he was um, assured in his defending. He's a physical physical player as well. So McCallum was often moving across the line, and you know when he had to go up and win those headers, he did. Um, can't remember him really putting a foot wrong, but it was the you know those. That first half when we were sort of adjusting, you know, he's not played on the left side of the fence with Jamie Record on the left side of him. Um, I think Josh was Josh Staunton in centre midfield when we played at Barnet, not Barnet, sorry, at um, Scunthorpe, or was he at the back? I feel no, like midfield, ben, wasn't he? yeah, so he's not played with Josh Staunton in the middle of the defence with him because no. he was in the middle of the defence. So there's yeah, all those yeah. little relationships that all sort of need building on the pitch. So it took a bit of time for him to get used to where Jamie Record was playing and where he needed to be. But yeah, I, I thought he looked strong. He's experienced as well. So hopefully he can uh, get over this injury and really step up. I think it helps when you he's left footed as well. I think it helps when you've got a back three, if you've got a left footer on the left side. Um, just makes life a bit easier to play out if you don't have to keep cutting back in on your right hand side because everything has to go that way rather than down the left a bit more comfortably. Can I ask you, Ben, after yeah. uh, seeing the previous two matches, were you surprised mm. to see Max Hunt dropped? Um, yes and no, which is really helpful. Um, <laughs> yes, you're really but... ridding yourself of this know, on the fence. I know. <laughs> yes, because. I thought there would be some continuity until we got that first win. But no, because I felt like of the three, he was probably the most droppable of them because I felt like he was the one that maybe looked the most uncomfortable in that three setup. And like you said, there's a thing about the fact that he's not left-footed on that left-hand side that makes me think he looks just a little bit... I don't know. He's the only one I could question, but at the same time, I don't think he's done a lot wrong either. I felt he was a little bit slow on the turn up at Altrium and and against Barnet, actually. So when he was sort of 
being forced to, to turn towards his own goal and chase a ball over the top, for example, that was just a little bit lacking there. But I'm not sure that's something that Ben Richards Everton has over Max Hunt. So I thought I thought there would be more continuity until we got that first victory. So I was expecting to see him play. But yeah, maybe he's the only one of that three that looks a little bit little bit uncomfortable. But I haven't I didn't think he would have would have dropped him at all. Um, but I'm not sure how you can change it going into Monday now, whether or not we do make changes, because it's going to be a different attack for Wilsdon. And I wonder what that does to our back line, whether or not we try and add a little bit more pace somewhere from maybe put Morgan Williams back into that middle three in some way, shape or form. I don't know. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the turnaround affects him. But Max Hunt's good enough. He'll he'll be back in the team before too long of that. I'm I'm completely sure. I think the other thing it helps with, um, with bringing in Ben Richards Everton and taking out Max Hunt is if you need to make a bit of a switch. So when you're going forward, say Jamie Record bombs on mm. and you want to keep a bit of security, Morgan Williams can sort of take up that right back position. And then with Ben Richards Everton being left footed, he can kind of sit more comfortably on, in the left of defence and make it a little bit of a you know more of a back four when if you if you decide to switch things up i think it gives us a lot more flexibility and i think that's one of the things we're kind of learning about chris hargreaves just the signings he's making they're all sort of players who can play in more than one spot really i think he's brought in callum rowe who can play pretty much anywhere in midfield and has also said he can play in defense and he sort of came on in the number 10 position yesterday um described him as a ball playing midfielder um so there's a lot of flexibility i think that's i think that is one thing we're possibly underestimating is the like the tactical nous of the manager i think we've seen in these first games that we can change things pretty easily on the pitch as we go forward and as we defend and um it's a bit of a difference to what we were used to with darren so it was very rigid this is how we play this this is the setup i think we did mention that last weekend didn't we ben but um yeah i think we mentioned that he can he can change the game there but yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i'm sure Ian will take the credit for that uh, for that one as well no, you can have the you can have the credit for that you can have the credit for that no i no. haven't i haven't said it yet have i so you just did <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't here last week <laughs> i think it's i think i think the difference is darren Saul had a system and the players he brought in and went, Hey, this is our system. Find your place within it. But actually I think Chris Hargreaves is going to be more of a, a person of going, here's what I've got available. Here's what looks best for this lot. And I think that's partially why we've got the three, five, two, why we've got the wing backs. Cause he looks at, at record and looks at Wakefield and thinks, well, actually I want them in attacking wider areas. And to do that, I'm going to have to put three at the back. So actually, I think it's going to be slightly the other way around. And there may be times, maybe Monday, maybe in the future where we've got a few injuries, a few suspensions, where he goes, actually, I haven't got the luxury of, a, of, of wing backs because I've only got one. So actually, I'll go four here and put a midfield in that can be a 4-4-2. So I think that's that's the difference between the two. Darren Stahl picked his, picked his uh, system and stuck to it and made people fit into those roles. This is going to be a much different, more fluid side. And like you say, Ian... If he can change mid-match, yeah, I think formations are going to be pretty much out the window. Okay. 
so maybe looking ahead to uh, today, as it is now, to today's trip mm. to uh, Wheelstone. So you uh, substitutes the uh, players that came off were Lawson Diaf, who it sounds like probably unlikely we'll see him even in the squad at Wheelstone. Um, the other two came off, Alex Fisher, who almost always comes off, doesn't he? It's like the Zoko for Khan thing that we had years ago, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, Alex Fisher comes off around the hour, seems to be the, uh, yeah. the the way of things. And then Jimmy Toure as well came off. He didn't sound like, he sounded like he was kind of going from his um, impact, less impact, impact, less impact. So he perhaps had less impact yesterday than he had done. I think in the first half, he, he saw a lot of the ball and he was running with the ball and he was causing problems. He's, you know, we've, we've talked about him being a maverick and he, he is that player who carries the ball, is not necessarily the best passer of it, um, but, you know, causes defence's problems. And he, he he did that in the first half, but in the, in the second half, he never really got on the ball and towards, I forget what minute he came off in, but... Uh, you know, before he came off, he gave the ball away a couple of times and it just, yeah, it really looked like his race was run. So I I don't know. I don't know if he's, um, I don't know if he'll be ready for today or not. He might be one who comes on. I think, you like you said about Alex Fisher, he does always tend to come off around the hour mark, but he just works so hard um, that he kind of just runs himself into the ground a little bit. And um, yeah, I think that's just the nature of his game. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see Diaz. I'd be surprised. I think Chris Harvey said he took him off because he didn't want to risk, risk him. And I think it's, you know, that's, that's Lawson Diaz, isn't it? That's how we have to look after him and um, hope that he can be fit in those moments when you really need him. Um, yeah. I think we saw a little bit of Jake Scrimshaw and Callum Rowe and, the manager said before the game that Jake Scrimshaw was a player who runs his socks off and works very hard. And he that was all he was able to really do in that game. There was a lot of chasing down defenders and chasing down the goalkeeper when the keeper was kicking the ball out and stuff like that. Um, didn't really get many touches of the ball or probably show what he would like to have shown, but hard worker. My ad uh... works his socks off to Hargreavesisms. <laughs> You can, I think yeah. That's the definite hard as well. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, either of the new players, do you think, are in line for a start then? Do you think Scrimshaw becomes a, a Fisher sort of um, go between where you just have hard working, or is Scrimshaw going to be a little bit more forward facing, a little bit more goal threaty? And do you think Callum Rowe comes in possibly in place of, of Jimmy Torre to try and bridge that gap between midfield and attack? Maybe. I don't know how early it'll be for Callum Rowe because he's I he's not been in any clubs, has he? He's done a couple of has he had a couple of trials here and in there. A trial but, at Dundee in the summer, apparently. Yeah. But yeah. it's hard to say how fit he is yet, whether he's ready to start a game. Um I think he looks like he's got there's definitely something there. He was comfortable keeping the ball. Um at a couple of moments where he kind of ran into corridors and you know that'll that'll happen when you're just used to a, getting used to a new team not really knowing where you know how, how his teammates played but there's definitely something there I think he's a quite a technical footballer which will be good for the hard ball um and yeah Scrimshaw 
I don't know. I feel like we've we've got a player here. I think from what we've been told about him, yeah, he's going to work his socks off. But I think we've kind of signed a player who's going to score goals. And I think that's what we're expecting of him. So I don't, I mean, we probably signed Alex Fisher expecting him to score goals as well. So I think he's definitely a striker who will want to see in the box um, being a bit of a bags man. I mean, I'm, without wishing to go into let's do an 11 lineup and play manager here. Let's do we, an 11. Should we do an 11? Should we do an 11? <laughs> um, I, I'm just thinking about how many changes you make. Look, I, I think Wilson, from what I can tell, from what I was, I listened to their manager, I listened to our manager and looked at the, the games. I think they're going to be all about pace through Reese Brown. I mean, they would have had Olomola, but he's obviously injured as well. They've got a clear line of attack of being quick up front. And it got me thinking about our defensive line and whether or not we need to make any changes. Do we bring in Morgan Williams into the three and move Pond to the left? Do we bring Tiori Johnson onto that wing-back role so that he can be a little bit more defensive if needs be? Do we change things up front? Has Malachi Linton just run and run and run and run and run? Does he need a pause, for example? And I just, I don't know how many changes you make. You're going to have to make one in midfield. It's likely that Pearson won't be available. I would have absolutely had Pearson in for this Wilston game to try and be a bit of a battering ram and bridge that gap. And I just wondered how possible, how many changes, how many changes is too many. So, you know, we've got, got a little winning sort of momentum now to, to try and start building. So I just, I'm interested to know how many changes people would make. Let's run through the team now. I think I'd keep the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> I think he can manage two games in three days. Um, I honestly think I'd keep the back three the same as it is. I think you, Josh Staunton's the captain. He's not gonna he's not gonna come out, is he? He's he'll run through a brick wall for the club. Um, I think Alfie Pond is an 18-year-old kid who's probably well up for it and will be able to handle playing two games. And I also also think he earned it. He played so well that you know he should have that chance. And I I think although Wildstone have got pace, I think he's probably, he's got a bit of pace about him as well. It's not necessarily that he's going to get caught out um, in a foot race. I think there is a question around Ben Richards-Everton, given that he's just come back from injury. Um, uh, but I think you probably bring, Ma I think you'd probably bring Max Hunt back in there rather than move Alfie Pond over to the other side because it doesn't sound like Charlie Wakefield is going to be back. And we know how physical Morgan Williams is. He just seems to be able to play every game <laughs> without fail. Um, so I don't think I'd take Williams out. And Jamie Record seemed quite up for it too. He was ready to go for, for Monday as well. So I don't think you'll see much change. I think if you've kept the clean sheet, as, as hard as it is, the only one I can see is, yeah, possibly... Richards Everton for Hunt in that back line. Into midfield, simple case of Perry in for Diaz. I would have thought so. I would have thought so. I think that that's you know that's what we started with. Um, Worthy, another sock runner offer. It's, I think he's he's. I think what we've seen from Matt Worthington so far this season. I didn't. We always knew he was good, but I think he's improved so much 
already um, under Hargreaves. He's he's just become a lot more, I don't know, he just seems to be a lot more confident in himself. He knows what his game is and he's allowed to do it. I don't necessarily think he was shackled by Darren Sahl as such, but I... I don't know, it feels like his personality is coming out a little bit more than perhaps it was under Darren Sarr. If we rewind 12 months, I remember us asking the question, what is a Matt Worthington? What, wh- where, where does he fit? Why is he not? He's in a bit, out a bit, gets a little suspension. He comes in, he plays a bit on the right, a bit in the midfield. You didn't really know where he sat, despite the fact he played 100-odd games for us. And yeah. we'd always kind of defended him and saying, actually, he's a very, very, very good player. And we just needed to find his place. Is this his place in this freedom? Get beyond the front line, go and do whatever you want, go and be attacking, go and make things happen position. Is this the Matt Worthington we wanted 12 months ago? I think so. I don't necessarily think he's that player, though. I think he's he's the centre midfielder who sort of lets other people do things as well, though. He's kind of having responsibility Mm -hmm. to keep the ball ticking over, which he was always good at. But then he he causes teams problems just from his runs and he's so physical. He does not stop running and there's no sort of, he's, he's that midfielder who I don't know how he does it physically, but for, you know, 96 minutes, he will not stop running. He will win every foot race. There was a moment where um, it was in the, it was in the first half where the, um, I forget which Dagenham player it was, but he played a through ball to their captain, Matt Robinson. And he didn't even try because he was in a foot race with Matt Worthington. And you absolutely knew that he did not want the ball where it was played because there was no chance that he was going to get it or keep up with Worthy to get it. So I just think, yeah, he, the amount of running he does, hopefully he's ready to go today. Mm. Um, but I, I don't see... There's not another one of those in our team. There's not another one of Matt Worthington in our squad. He is kind of that. He is the only centre midfielder that can do that job, in my view. Yeah. Would it be too strong to uh, compare him with Darren Way? At his, uh, when when Matt Worthington is at his best, all of the things that you said there, you could attribute yeah, to I Darren can, Way. I can see that comparison. I think, and you know, Matt Worthington's got a tackle in him as well. Darren Way yeah. always did. Um, and he's got a red card and a booking in it, yeah. as Darren Way always did. But that's what you need, isn't it? Yeah, he doesn't have Darren Way's goals yet, though, does he? No. Darren Way did pop up with goals. Um, but there's definitely, yeah, there's there's definitely that side to him. That's a good comparison, Dave. Get, get, get your money on Matt Worthington to be manager in a few years' time. Then. <laughs> uh, let's hope not. <laughs> whatever, okay. whatever Chris Hargreaves has done to Matt Worthington, I'm yeah. a massive, massive fan of it. Yeah, and, and I, I was even on day one in that stinker of the first half against against Scunthorpe. I did think something had changed. He looked different. He was getting forward. He was in different areas of the pitch that we hadn't seen him before. And yeah, more power to it because I'm I'm really enjoying this version of Matt Worthington. He's probably my favourite Matt Worthington we've had so far. <laughs> You're an absolute day oneer again, then, Ben. Apparently so. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, we got as far as the midfield. We did, yeah. About the, the forward line. Jimmy Toure. Fish and Mal or Scrimmy and Jimmy? Where are we going? <laughs> Ooh, I, 
I don't see how Jimmy Torre starts, I don't think. Okay. I'm not sure. I just think he... Yeah. It depends how his recovery is. Um, but I guess... How many pigs in blankets and chocolate pudding he has today? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, do... well, I, want, I want Sunday lunch around uh, Chris Arby's house, if that's what they're having. That sounds <laughs> like it's a good menu to me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you'll see Fish and Mal, because... Malachi Linton is he's an, he's another one a bit like Worthy, just runs and runs and runs and runs. Um, doesn't seem to have a, a limit really. I think it's just whether whether we bring in Callum Rowe or maybe we bring in Scrimshaw for for um Torre because it was quite a three. It was it wasn't like a wingers. It was quite a narrow three. Um, and I don't and there were moments where Alex Fisher sort of dropped into that number ten space, especially in the second half. It was almost like because Jimmy Torre was struggling, they decided to put Fisher in that space between the midfield and the attack to um, kind of keep that gap a little bit more secure and have a runner in there. So, yeah, and I think Scrimshaw is running. He looked like he was looks like he's ready to go. I imagine he's had a decent preseason at Bournemouth, and you know, will have played a lot of games for their under twenty threes or whatever. So. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't surprise me to see him get a start. We've got a number eleven. We do, we do indeed. Yes. Okay. So I think that means as you were, Perry in for Diaz and and Scrimshaw in for for Scrimmy in for Jimmy. Scrimmy in for Jimmy, yeah. But that's the only changes. There's only two changes, one of which is in force because, with all due respect to Perry, and I I think we'll see a lot out of Perry this season. Um. Lawson yeah. DF would start if, if fit. Well, the only, the only other one could possibly be Hunt for Richards Everton. Is is it? I mean, we, we forget we're, we are away at the top of the table team here. And I mean, I know we'd not pay much of the attention, but they are in good nick. They've kept a couple of clean sheets. Um, is there not an argument that we 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 change things up again here and, and go back to a four? Back to the four and just take Richards Everton out and have a flat four, Williams, Pond, Staunton record. Bring in an extra midfielder, bring in Jory Johnson as a proper right sided option. I don't know. I, I'm of the mind that I'd rather us concentrate on what we're going to do rather than think about what the other team's going to do. Like, I know it's, I know they're flying and playing very well at the moment, but it is Wheelstone. Yeah. A part time side <laughs> who were away at Gateshead yesterday. Their manager said afterwards, it's not ideal to have to then travel six hours on a coach back home, have one day. Um, he said he hadn't looked at the Oval game yet. So he was going to look at the Oval on the coach home. And that's a different style to Chris Hargreaves. You said, I've got one eye on, on Wheelston. I thought that was interesting. So um, they've beaten Gateshead 1-0 away. Uh, they beat Halifax, who everyone's beating 1-0, and scraped past Oldham, who um, haven't, well, set the world alight, I think it's fair to say, despite the fact they have won a couple of games. Um, four wins and a loss for them. Seven scored, four conceded. Is their position an, a false one at the top of the table? I don't think it's a great deal. You can tell after five games of the season, they yeah. say there's always going to be anomalies up there. I mean, you take Barnet, for example. Obviously, they beat, I know they beat us, but then 
they went and played Chesterfield, who are a team that you would expect to be up there on Friday night and lost quite comfortably by the sounds of it. So I'm not sure there's a great deal we can read into it. But I do also think and this isn't entirely because I suspect that our friends and colleagues from the Stones cast will be listening to this, but I expect that they might be. We don't want to upset them. Um, uh, yeah, you absolutely do have to give credit to Wilston for their for their start. And they have signed some very good players. I know Max yes. Kretschmar was a player that we would have all loved to have seen um, come to Yeovil. And it sounds like um, the benefit of, uh, uh, you know, being a part-time team uh, is, is, is paying dividends for them because they're, they're getting players in who... Um, who maybe don't want to go full time, but are still very good for this um, for this level. And yeah, you, you, you've got to give them give them credit for it. And the, the thing that probably worries me more than anything is the old boy curse. Reese Brown seems to be in a bit of form this season, but at the end of last week we were saying that about Paul McCullum as well, weren't we? So who knows? But I do think we need to maybe give Wilston some credit if you're listening. Oh. Stones cast, we have done. Yeah, absolutely I do there. think you have to look at who they've played. You know they've. They played Bromley, and that's Ian, big, stop upsetting that's, them. That's a big. I've got to you know, go there and see them tomorrow, that's, today. Whatever. That's, that's a good a, a win against Bromley. That's a good one. Eastley, who have kind of conceded twice, been a, yeah, been a bit of a surprise. I would say Eastley this season. So they lost to Eastley. Classic curse of coming down from the football league in Oldham. Halifax, who've totally dropped off a cliff with since um, the angry little black left, and. You know, Gateshead coming up from from the the league below as well. So they've. I'm not saying they've had an easy run at all because there aren't any easy games. But you can see that there's fixtures there that you know are, are winnable, winnable games. Yeah, and they are they are going to have to make changes. So they've had. Um... Uh, they had a red card yesterday, didn't they? They did. Mason Barrett went off injured. No relation. Uh, went off injured after <laughs> 19 minutes. And Eloere, who is on loan from where is he on loan from, Dave? Charlton. Charlton was sent off. So that's two fairly young defenders. Uh, Barrett is only 19, 20, I think, give or take. And Eloere at 22, and Eloere is only 18. Both almost certainly going to be missing, you'd think. Yeah, Reese Brown, the only game he hasn't scored in is that Eastley game, which they lost 1 0. He's scored in every single fixture so far. Got to keep him quiet. We have. But like you, anyway. say, like you say, Max Kretschmar. Oh, yeah, I've done anything to have him here. Um, I'm impressed by the signing of Lewis Kinsella as well. I think um, he came off the bench yesterday. I think at halftime, I like him. I think he's a, a very good player at that level. I don't know whether he wanted to stay part-time as well. So, yeah, um, they have got their threats and we're going to have to sort of keep our wits about us. It might be more, not quite back to the wall defending stuff. I think it's going to be a different game, but I think we're going to have to make sure we're we're on our game. But I do think we can go there and win. Okay. Let's go to some questions. Coatsy, are you looking forward to it? What time yeah. do you leave? What time do you leave today? Are you going to be there early? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should be. After we finish here, I'll be straight off. Um, <laughs> no. I am I am on the train, so on a bank holiday, which is brave, oh, I have to say. So you're um, a bit more you're a bit less can, in control of your I am less in control Arrival. of my my departures and arrivals time. So um, yeah, but, but hopefully I make it, and even more hopefully I make it back again. So, so wait, are you coming back on Bank Holiday Monday, or are you staying? I, I, I know I am. I am there and back again on the same day. That is quite something. 
There's no strikes, are there? None, none. I've, I've, I've checked into this. I've read Hugh's uh, guide to um, to Wilston. I realise it's a Sunday service on the train. So yeah, I've got it. I've, I've looked into it all. It's all it's all planned and organised. Petrol prices um, and me having a rail card definitely played a part in this decision. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, fair play, mate. Have a good journey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, I've I've never been to Wilston before, so um, I well, and I'm not and going. Not to going, Wilston yeah. <laughs> it's in the uh, the borough of Hillingdon in Reeslip, so um, I uh, yeah, I uh, I'll add that one to the uh, to the list. But yeah, happy days, happy days. So we have got some GCQs, but as we always do, we have answered. Um, <laughs> An awful lot of them, actually, just looking through them all, um, because of one of them from Mike Watt says, um, who and what would you change within the team selection ahead of Monday's fixture? Which I think was the last question we just asked ourselves. Um, there are a couple here from Harry Eaton. Let's, are, just, I, let's just let's just I just want to I know we, we, will, we haven't really covered the bench, so we will have a couple of holes. Oh, okay. In, Go on in the in the bench and before the game, I was in the bench. But you said yeah. about part-time teams. <laughs> the um, players who weren't involved yesterday were doing, you know, very physical activity before the game. This isn't like a. It's not like they're in tracksuits on the side of the pitch. They were properly. It looked like a warm-up, basically. So, Olivier Albert was doing laps of the half. Um, Finley Krask, Krask was there. Um, who else wasn't involved? There was four basically. There was four players. Oh, who looked, yeah, yeah. There were four players who who looked ready. You know, ready to go. Who were doing you know fitness and were part of things. So, um, you know, I don't know how far away we are from seeing Olivier or. You know, is there a space on there? There'll be a loan space, won't there? How many loans did we use yesterday? Well, we um, the keeper, didn't we? Yeah, but none of the others. Everyone who started, yeah, everyone who started yesterday, other than Alfie Pond, is ours. And on the bench, it's only Sam Perry who was alone. Yeah, so there's spaces. <laughs> there's spaces for those players who weren't involved who you know, might make an impact from the bench. So we've talked a lot about having lots of loans, but yesterday there was only two in the whole squad. It's interesting, isn't it? That's is really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Wow. Depth. We've got depth. We have. I, I, I sent the WhatsApp group, didn't I? I said, in theory, we can play two 11s. Can't remember the last time we had two 11s that actually made some kind of palatable sense. Yeah. Um, nice. That's a good thing. Sorry, Dave, what was the question? Yeah. Uh, no, so, yeah, so that was the question, Mike Watts' question about team selection, which I think you covered off now. But um, Harry Eaton, who I think might be in New Zealand or somewhere, I'm sure he messaged us saying he was uh, he was there. So I um, don't know what time of day he's listening to this. But um, he asks the question, um, uh, is, is the biggest surprise this season so far being of Wilston being top? which we have kind of just discussed that, or Halifax being bottom? I think they're both equally surprising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't um, think they will. I don't think they'll be in that position come the end of the season either for either of them. I think I would say I'm, I'm probably more surprised. didn't really think about 
sorry, Stones cast. I didn't really think about Wealdstone too much, but I'm probably more surprised at Halifax at bottom, given their, you know, their history and you know where they were last season to to drop. I know they've lost a manager and some players, but to drop off that um, badly is a bit of a is a bigger surprise to me. Um, yeah, the fact that they've only scored one goal as well. Mm, in five not. games that's... Who, who did they, they lost Billy Waters didn't they who went to um, and they, I'm sure they lost another forward player as well um, to Barrow as well went with the black current yeah, <laughs> yeah well their, their fans seem to be on suicide watch as well Mighty Dagenham fans looking at them they were um, on, on social after their game they were very upset with their manager i think um uh, mentioning about the two substitutes who came on omar musa who i know was some player was a player that some of our fans would have liked to have seen despite where he would have come from he sounded like he was quite good as did marias who who came on but yeah they 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 were really musa and marias when they came on we talked more about them getting on the ball than anyone else really they were yeah they really started to dictate things and cause problems yeah um got a question from hugh asked about jake's grimshaw which i think you've mentioned in terms of what he brings to the party um and his question says only ian could probably answer this one but on his limited first impressions what can we hope for from great from jake scrimshaw um and any different aspects to his game to what we already have was it too few a minute? Yeah, I think that? so. We saw uh, and difficult because we didn't have much of the ball, so it was very much a, a chasing down things. Reminded me a bit of a the kind of striker that Gary Johnson would sign. You know, those that just run and run and run and chase everything and put pressure on defenses when they've got the ball. It, kind of that that type of player from what I saw. But you know, when he comes on with however many minutes left, 18 minutes, 19 minutes, I can't remember. Um, when you come on with that amount of time, you know, you're going to have a lot of energy to chase things down. It'd be interesting to see him, you know, doing what strikers do. Then we might have more of an idea about what he's about. Let's get him in the box and get a bit of hardball towards him. Uh, and then there is a question from Foxy, which again, we've kind of covered, but he says, um, do you feel we're still a little light in the centre of midfield or can Callum Rowe fill that gap? I don't think Callum Rowe is the uh, the barstool. No. Definitely more of a baller. So if we, if, you know, if we think we need that, um, probably still a space space for that. I guess it kind of revolves a little bit around Lawson Diath and how he's, you know, how he goes through the season because, you know, we, we're not a club that can particularly afford to have a player that we don't get minutes out of, really, are we? Um, there might be someone able to drop down from, you know, another loan. We've shown we've got space to have loans now after yesterday, so there might be someone who can come in and do that role as we discussed last week but yeah I don't think Callum Rowe he's not going to be the the tackler as such I wouldn't have thought no so Ben based on that that Ian just said there about us not being able to have players in our squad who aren't playing Robin Batchelor 
asked, will Gravosti and Krask realistically get enough minutes this season or are they here just to stick around for injury cover? I don't think we'll see Gravosti for much longer is the short answer to that one. I think he was a, I don't, I don't want to call him a panic signing, but when we lost Knowles and had to make something happen very, very quickly, I think that was Chris Todd pulling in a, a favour with a player he knows and has worked with in the past. That's what the impression I got there is. He's done his little bit. I think after his short-term stint ends, I think he'll probably go back. And I think we'll, yeah, I think I've mentioned it before, but he'll pop up on a video printer in a couple of years' time on loan at Fleetwood and we'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. We had him for a little bit. Um, Krask is a, is a season-long youth loan, I think I'm right in saying. I think I've got that terminology right. And I just wonder whether or not there's wiggle room in in his sort of deal with Plymouth that he can go back and play for them and their reserves or their under 18s as part of that, that contract. Yeah, so I wonder that's if, right. So if that's the case, we'll, we'll try and keep an eye on that. Their first couple of league games under Darren Way actually is, uh, it's coming up. I think the under 18s, they've played their final preseason games. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, whether or not he can get involved with their sort of reserves or, or 23s or whatever it may be. Um, it's a real shame that we don't have that. I think when it comes to FA Trophy games and, and men's Premier Cup games, I think it'll be, um, we'll see, definitely get to see him a little bit. But we've got him for the season. The idea is I think that he'll just be part of a ever-evolving squad. We'll, we talk about there being a couple of spots possibly on the bench if Diaz comes out, Perry goes on. Maybe Krask is the one to sit on that bench and be part of a squad that way on Monday. So uh, Krask, yes, Gravosti, no. If Gravosti's a youth loan, though, he could do the same couldn't he i'm not sure he is he wasn't he is on I, the web I, on the oh is he club website right. signed on a youth loan deal from bolt oh, was does he, it say was long four is it just short term doesn't say anything yeah I, I wonder if that's one of them where it's just a month and after a month he goes back and thanks bolton really appreciate that you can keep him for a little bit longer well we'll find out come next monday because he will have been with us for a month from monday uh, from the 5th of august someone can um, ask on thursday yeah, yeah um, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure I totally agree on Gravosti going straight back. I think we'll keep him around. It's whether we can keep players around. I, I guess it all depends on what the deal is, doesn't it? Are we paying them? Are we doing whatever? I, I certainly don't think, given the poverty that we're pleading, that we um, can particularly have players who are around if we're paying the money to be there and not to do anything. No. And I know Olivier is one that we hope will do something and he's got a, an injury situation, but um, I, I'd, I'd add him into that as well. Not that yeah, we can particularly bin him off straight away, but um, yeah, got to, uh, got to see more from some of these kind of players, but I'm sure that's what Scott Wickens and uh, everybody else was doing with them before the game on, on, on Saturday. I'm going to combine a question now from Robin Batchelor and Chris Fox. So it's either Robin Fox or Chris Batchelor, whichever you prefer. <laughs> um, so one part of this is how many goals will Jamie Record score this season? And then the other part of it is Record a better goal scorer than Ruben Reed. <laughs> well, Dave, you can answer well, the second part of that question. I was going to say, well, it was uh, Chris Batchelor that asked that question. Not, uh, not me. <laughs> I noticed Ruben Reed didn't score for Western in a seven-nil win yesterday. I don't Just know. Let he, it go. I, I don't know if I don't know if he played. He did. He did play seventeen did minutes. I'm well, sure he was involved. In I, I'm more. sure you you 
Are you like a subscriber to like a Ruben Reed like fan club or something? You seem to know an awful lot about. It's, it's, uh, the only reason I know is because Sheridan, being a, a, a resident of Western Supermare, tweets about Western Supermare all the time. That's the only reason I find out about it. And yeah. I do find it delightfully funny to um, to ask her occasionally because she always messages me when he does score. And he has scored oh, okay. a couple this season for Western. Yeah, um, she did say he scored three, I think. Yeah, he's he scored a few. So, um, yeah, yeah. Give well, at least, one. I mean, he's probably not given a second thought to you, but at least you're... No, no, he doesn't even know who I am. At least he's still in your head. Yeah, yeah. Rent-free. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, to answer um, uh, Robin Fox's second part, Robin Fox's question, statistically, Jamie Record is as good a goal scorer this season as Ruben Reed was last season. In fact, Probably better because he's done the same in minutes uh, per goals in, in a fifth less games. Twenty five, three and twenty five appearances for Ruben Reed last season. Three in five for Jamie Record. I can actually tell you Jamie Record's minutes per goals, if you would like. But I don't think so even, far this season. Even I could say that I expect uh, I would judge Jamie Record on the goals that he scored when he arrived. No, I don't think he's thought that either. Coming no. from uh, coming in as a left back. No. And uh, I, I he scored a goal every. This can't be right. Ignore my spreadsheet at the moment. <laughs> he scored a goal every zero point four three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, first first part of um, Chris Batchelor's question: um, How many goals do we think Jamie Record can score this season? He scored a goal every one hundred and fifty minutes. Surely, ninety times five. Divided by three. Okay. Okay. I think he can... Well, I mean, he's getting in the positions and he plays so high up as a left wing back that he's, you know, pretty much on in the 18-yard box when we're attacking. So, I don't know. Based on what he's doing so far, there's no reason he can't reach double figures, is there? Well, the mathematics suggests 27.6. So, there you go. If he's not our thirty goal season striker, then he's uh, that's it. Get rid of him. He's still not going to be. He's going to be our 26, 27.6 goal a season striker. Oh, okay, all right. That's he it. carries on his current rate. There you go. Twenty-seven point six. We'll round up. We'll round yep. up. Twenty-eight. Okay. Congratulations on your twenty-eight goals. <laughs> Which is probably quick maths more than he scored ever throughout his career. Yes, up to date, including the three he has for us, he has ten league goals, and he's going to nearly triple that this season. There you go. Amazing. Wow. Well done, Jamie. That's one for <laughs> one for the record books. <laughs> if uh, if the historical oracle Nigel Dyson is listening or anybody else who has statistics from the uh, the ISIS league, no, not that ISIS uh, days, uh, someone remind me how many goals Jerry Gill scored playing at left back, probably left wing back. It probably was back then. I want to say he got over 10 that season we got promoted from that division which was a league below where we are now but yeah did mickey engwell score a lot of goals as well not really scored a few but just that one that was across that that wasn't one against (laughs) enfield yeah Yeah. um but uh but yeah no he didn't score a huge amount scored a few but not a huge amount but jerry gill was pretty prolific in that he only had one season with us after joining us from bath and then he went to birmingham after that but um yeah he was uh yeah, I want to say he got, I want to say at least 10. I think he got into double figures, but Nigel will 
probably Barry Spiller. Barry Spiller will know this thing. He, he's a an, a a, a, com, a, a um, disciple of that era. What about, anyway, what about Miles and Lockwood? Not quite proper proper fullbacks, but defensively situated and scored a fair few goals. Either of them ever troubled double figures for a season? I don't think so. Yeah, I can't imagine either of them being particularly goal scorer I was, I was just having a look, by the way. Jamie Record's last goal before this season was in the 2021 season in a 2-0 win for Wrexham over Kingsley. And he scored in the ninth minute. Anyone want to take a raffle as to who scored in the 26th? Gold on Mateo. Other one. Yadi Yusuf. Adi Yusuf. There you go. Hates the Weymouth. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently the Kingsley. Who knew? Yeah. Okay, so we only have one more question and it's back to Harry Eaton, back where we started. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know what Ian's shirt collection is like, but uh, this might be one for Ben. Um, what's the most exotic football shirt you've ever owned? Um, Adelaide United with a Wusu 9 on the back. Mm, that is pretty exotic, yeah. I've got, and um, this is, you know, <laughs> in... Looking at it now, probably not the best shirt to have, but I've got a Zenit St. Petersburg shirt, <laughs> which has got a crazy, it's like, it's blue, but it's got like a crazy pattern on it. Gazprom, you know, full, you know, Russian nonsense all over it. Um, yeah, that's probably the most exotic one that I own. I do I have guess. a bright orange Germany goalkeeper kit as well, or had, I'm not sure where it is, but... The old Jens Lehmann style. Hey, nice. That that will go down well with uh, returning Arsenal fan Ian Perkins, won't it? Of course. Jens <laughs> Lehmann, yeah. I only bought After it. Many because... years of not being an Arsenal fan, he suddenly is again. <laughs> I only bought it because I saw a picture of him wearing the number nine in goal. Jens Lehmann had to wear the number nine once uh, in did, goal. Did you buy it to burn it because he was wearing nine? ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but them were the rules of the little tournament they were playing at the time so he was a replacement for an injured striker because they wanted to add a third goalkeeper and as per the rules he had to take the shirt number of that play fun shirt number fact of the day what what tournament was this is this like some kind of like five aside legends game or something no you know how we played that random le tournoi Oh, okay. We as in England, the, yeah. Yeah. In, <laughs> not the overall. Not, not you and not us three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Us three against Roberto Carlos, uh, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, yeah. Yeah. So whatever tournament, there was like a mini sort of round robin style tournament and he wasn't in the squad and then was in the squad but had to take the number um, of the person he um, replaced. There you go. Well, that does sound random. <laughs> All and, right. very, well, and, and so interesting the, the the funnest fact that we could leave this podcast with I would say yeah Ben is now waving his phone at us where we can see Jens Lehmann uh, yeah wearing a number nine shirt he is wearing not can confirm that that didn't make for good audio but but nevertheless what a way to leave a podcast on Jens Lehmann what a legend speak to you after Wilston then enjoy it Dave and with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. 
Stansfield, good turn away from John, goal! Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>